Okay, Matt, I'm going to go ahead and get centered and focused on your individual energy. For that, what I'll need is for you to simply say your first and last name out loud, then follow that with the date of your birth. Sure. Matthew Philp, June 18, 1978. Beautiful. Okay. I'm an older male figure stepping forward. I'm Matthew Philp. I'm Elizabeth Thompson. And I'm Erin Hosier. And this is Tell Me About Your Father, a podcast about daddy issues, father figures, and dismantling the paternal mystique. We examine how fathers, both literal and symbolic, influence pop culture, politics, and the lives of people of every generation from all over the world. So settle in and listen as we delve into some dad stuff. I'm Erin Hosier. I'm Matthew Philp. And this is a very special, another very special, and hopefully a little spooky and enlightening Halloween-themed episode of Tell Me About Your Father, mm-hmm. wherein, Matt, you talk to your dead father with a medium. Yeah. I asked a medium to tell me about my father, and it was a really interesting in a lot of ways, unexpected experience, both in the lead up and the reading itself, and then afterwards when we talked with her. So what we're going to do is we're going to excerpt from that psychic reading, which happened over Zoom just mm-hmm. a few days ago. Um, we'll explain to the people how this came together, but listeners are going to want to stick around to hear what is revealed in your session with Victoria Laurie, who we'll introduce in a moment. And then after your session, I hadn't heard your session, but I jumped on your Zoom with her and just asked her all the questions I had about psychic phenomena and life after death and really what just happened in your session. Yeah, it was about seven minutes after the session had finished. There was no there was no break. We just went right. from psychic session into interview. I'm glad we did it that way. It was good. It's really fun. So let's introduce our our psychic medium. Well, she's not here right now, but we're introing her. Um, she came to us through my friend and client Rachel K. Albers, who was like, "Yeah, I know this great lady." It turns out she's she's in Massachusetts. I've never consulted a medium or a psychic. You know, I'm open-minded and I've always wanted to see a ghost, but I never have, particularly my father. But we thought this would be a great thing to spring on Elizabeth Thompson, our co-host, because Mm -hmm. her birthday is today when this episode is coming out, Halloween. So I was like, let's get busy, like a psychic reading so she can contact her dad who just died a few years ago and surprise, surprise, busy. Just, she was like, pass. I'm good. She's like, I've gone to Al-Anon. I've kind of forgiven my father. I kind of have resolution on this. Yeah. I don't need to. You you guys do it or one of you do it. And I was like, well, you know, my memoir about my father, it sold so well that it would really be. A little book called Don't Let Me Down. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, anybody could Google it and know Beatles, dad, you know, Ohio. We sprung you on her, Victoria Laurie, the psychic. We didn't really tell her. We just said, our friend Matt is going to buy a session with you. 
So you paid for it, right? Tell us about that. How did it work? Yeah. I mean, she, well, Victoria is a a New York Times bestselling author. She finished her 38th novel the day, actually a few hours before our session. And she has a whole career as a, as a bestselling author. And Mm -hmm. The characters in her book, I, th- I believe, are psychic, right? Yeah, it's like YA, the Psychic Eye mystery series. Yes. You know, Penguin Random House distribution, it's all real. She also is a podcaster in the true crime space, so we knew we could get a little dark with her. That podcast is called PEM Podcast, which stands for Psychic Eye Mystery. You can find that on all platforms. and we recommend a reading with her. Yeah. I mean, she's super pragmatic. I think the way that it worked was you connected her to me, mm-hmm. um, gave her the rundown. She sent me a link, which was a calendar link. And I just selected a time that was available that she was also available. Yeah. Um, I paid her through PayPal or whatever the hell it was. And the other thing I think that's important to, to mention here, there are two things important to mention. One, I think part of the reason that you chose her was because the person who referred you to her didn't owe you anything. So yep. it wasn't like she was going to call in a favor and that that would somehow taint the reading. Not to suggest that Victoria would have, you know, just inherently sold out or something like that. But right. I think that brought you a certain kind of comfort, right? There was just mm-hmm. no, no one was beholden to anyone else. So she's not like the Long Island medium. She's not like Tyler Henry. I mean, she's quite well known for her books, but she's not famous as a psychic. She doesn't charge a lot of money for it. Tell the people what it is. Is it 110? About 110 or 115. And then I tipped her for about 40 minutes. And she records you. She records the session and sends it to you so you can sit with it, relive it, all of that stuff. So- We weren't coming at this like we're skeptical and we're trying to catch her in a trap. We want to know, you know, who's contacting their dads? How do we do it ourselves? What's on the other side? I mean, we had a million questions. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I will say is um, that part of the reason why I think my story kind of works for this is because there's a lot of mystery surrounding my dad's death. It was very, I mean, there is and there isn't. Yeah. I did a whole episode about this in detail um, with my friend, Michelle Dawson Haber, that I published on May 23. If you want to hear like the background and like how my father died in his mid thirties in the middle of a marathon, just dropped dead on the spot was we think dead before he hit the ground. I was almost four and so I understand death as an adult, but as a kid, like impossible to process something. So there was no lead up, like he didn't have cancer. Right. And we have like, let's talk about cancer with the children. It was like, this was just bang what happened. And so like, I kind of go into this in that episode where I talk about kind of having an understanding, but that's kind of frozen in the mind of a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. A lot of mystery, a lot of questions I, I haven't really been able to answer, a lot of ambiguity. Um, I think there's still a bit of grief going on with me and him, which she talks about and I think identified in a way that I possibly hadn't. But we'll just set up that, ironically, you had had a dream recently about your father and your- first ever dream about him. Yeah. Notable. 
two weeks before that. We talk about this in the episode, in the discussion with her. We do, but she didn't know that going yeah, yeah, in. Yeah. So I just wanted to let listeners know because we're going to start playing excerpts right now. Okay, great. Let's just launch in with the very first things that she said after the hello. Um, is your dad over? Because he feels low. Okay. Um, so he's stepping forward. There's also a female here who, um, were you close to your maternal grandmother by any chance? Okay. So she's also stepping forward to say hello. So I have um, dad here. Do you have something going wrong in his head by any chance? Um, possibly. Okay. He's making me feel woozy. So usually woozy means that there could have been a cognitive issue or there could have been um, Alzheimer's, dementia, stroke, something going on kind of neurologically, okay, with him. Um, was he a smoker? Uh, no. Okay, who's the smoker associated with um, dad's energy? Was his father a I smoker? Think, There's definitely a smoker here. I actually don't know if he was. It might, I think my grandfather was a smoker. Yeah. Um, my mother's grand, my mother's father was a smoker. He okay, I'm still on dad's side of the family. So okay. it's my impression that your dad is bringing in his dad. So this would be a grandfather figure and I'm definitely smelling smoke. So, okay. um, I think I have dad and his dad, and I really think I have mom's mom. Um, but mom's mom is feeling super motherly. So I don't know if she took a hand in raising you or was particularly mother motherly toward you. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. she's giving me a lot of like motherly feelings. So your grandmother actually comes in right after she surmises the man who is your dad. Mm -hmm. Again, she could have recognized that this is tell me about your father podcast. There's probably a man coming forward first, but it quickly shows and plays out that health concerns kind of pop up right away. So she's, saying like, you know, neurological head injury, stroke thing. But then also there's a grandfather presence who was a smoker. Like, what do you make of Well, it? I never, I actually never knew my father's father. So, I mean, that side of the family, like I know his brother smoked a bit socially. Um, his brother was, you know, quite a toxic man in general. Um, but maybe his father smoked. I don't know. I think my mother's father did, but my father, I'm pretty sure, did not. He was pretty health conscious. So, yeah, yeah I don't know where that, what that's about. But okay. um, it was very comfortable and clear that that was something to think about. There's a lot of stuff I don't know, so maybe she's spot on okay. in a way I don't know. Um, do you have an advanced degree by any chance? Do you have a master's? Yes. Okay. She I mean, thinks, sort of, yeah. I have okay. I have more than a bachelor. Yeah. Yeah. So she's saying that's she's very proud of that. Okay. So your advanced education. Um, she's like, yay. Okay. And I don't know if you got it when she was over, but she's happy you did that. Okay. I um, yeah. She's also making me feel like honestly, like you're not pushing yourself the way that you should be. So if you're kind of settling a little bit, she's like, map. Okay. She wants you to kind of push yourself a little bit career wise. Okay. She's like in other areas, you're hitting, you know, hitting it out of the park, but your career, she wants you to kind of push on it. Are you having a back issue at all? What's the deal with the back? Sort of. Yeah. Okay. Like lower back kind of thing. I actually blame this stupid chair, but yeah, like it it's a be. recent thing. Yeah, it could be. Um, sometimes uh, it's your hip flexors that get locked up. Yeah. That's, that's what I think it is. Yeah. So um, if you just want to do like two stretches, 
a day, one before you sit in the chair and one after you get out of the chair. And that's going to be just kind of um, knee on the floor, holding onto a chair, and then you lunge forward. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful stretch. It'll unlock those hip flexors. Okay. Okay. Otherwise, your grandmother is making me feel like you have pretty good health. What's the, does heart stuff run in your family at all? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's saying that's the only thing that you really need to look out for as far as your health is concerned. Um, I do feel like you're going to be here a good long while, which is fantastic. She's like planning on kind of watching the show for, <laughs> for a while. So I think that you're going to be here for a while. Um, do you have two children? No, I don't. I don't have any children. No. Okay. She's showing me the number two children and associating them with you. So do you want kids? Um, I do not. Okay. I do not want children. Um, I'm sorry. I don't want to lead that. There could be a number of interpretations of that that makes sense. No, it's really, I think it's, you know, honestly, when, whenever they go like this, that means kids to me. So it could be that you end up with someone who has children, or it could be that you change your mind, or it could be like, she's pointing to at you. Okay. If you don't want kids, you don't have to have kids, but this is, this is her. Okay. This is her. So I'm just passing along the message. Okay. Yeah. I'm good with kids. I love kids. I have new nephews. They're twins. Oh, twin nephews. Okay. That's also, it. Like I have you... not really hung out with them before. Okay. So cool. I'm excited okay, to go meet it. them in December. Yeah. That's it. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah. Okay. That makes total sense to me then. So yeah, let's pause here. Okay. So so you can see how that was unfurling. It's yes. like grandmother is coming on strong. She really thinks you need to work a little harder. Yeah, um, fair enough. And the number two in yeah. terms of children, I love your response there. Uh, no. I'm not a father. I will never be a father. I've turned down fatherhood actually before. At this point in the session, how were you feeling? Because there's no dad really yet, although the heart. I was, I was just kind of, well, the heart thing, yes. The, the thing is, I was just kind of going with it. And what's yep. striking me at this point was this isn't like massive, galactically existential, like your dad's really proud of you, like stuff. It's not like, here's the stuff you've been missing. It's actually, in a way, some of it's kind of banal and, and not uninteresting or unimportant, but it's not like some earth shattering kind of mystical moment it's yeah. sort of funny how like it's about really kind of basic details yeah that's, that's what i think kind of disarmed me a bit in this i'm like oh she's not trying to like i just felt like i was concerned i didn't want to be taken advantage of emotionally yeah so but so it's it just felt to me at this point like oh she's not doing that it's fine yeah okay yeah. establishing trust so she goes on here about you know, a bunch of kind of life details. Like, yeah. were you planning a move? Are you planning to move? Which is like the last thing I'm planning to do seeing as we finally just moved into this apartment. She also is like, there's a, an opportunity to move next year. Right. That's very matter of fact. She's saying, she goes back to the thing where my grandmother's like, you need to speak up for yourself more. You need to put yourself out there more, promote yourself more. And if you do that in the next two years, it'll pay off really well. Um, I kind of wasn't particularly interested in having a psychic reading. I was kind of more just interested in this, but it's all part of the same thing and all, all linked part. together. So it goes on for probably like five or 10 minutes, right? Where you, you're, she's asking these general questions and making, she's telling you what she's feeling, what's coming up for her about your immediate future. 
Yeah, like, she's like, are you looking to buy a car? Right. And I was like, actually, we were talking about buying a car. And then she's like, okay, so next May you're going to find a secondhand car that's really great. It's not fancy, but it'll – and you know, that kind of stuff. So I'm like, I mean, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. But then eventually, here it comes, she asks you the magic question. Did you write something to your dad? Was there something where you wrote in a poem or a letter or anything like that? Or did you write his eulogy? Because he's talking about the letter. Um, there's a number of things I've written about him. And there was one that I wrote. There are two that I think I wrote to him. Okay. Yeah, okay. Directly to him. He's, um, he's making me feel like he read every word or he heard every word. Okay. Um, and he's really super touched. Did he go like quick? Was there something about like, was either sudden or unexpected? Very. Okay. Um, he's like, um, I don't think he even has a memory of his crossings. It's sort of like he's making me feel like I woke up dead kind of thing. So he's making me feel like on the other side, he doesn't really have a memory of the crossing. He's just like, I woke up dead. So there was no, there's no memory of suffering is kind of what he's saying. Okay. Um, and then does he also have a brother over there? Or above the, okay. So he's saying like, I reunited. Okay. With my brother is sort of the feeling. Um, and then did his brother have something in the lungs? Do you know? Uh, I mean, I'm sure. Okay. I don't know. I don't know really, but I mean, I'm not sure he was particularly healthy. Yes. Yeah. There's a feeling of like um, uh, soggy lungs kind of feeling. Okay. So it could have been like emphysema or something along those lines. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, if you've been thinking about switching careers, your father is making me feel like, mm, hold steady. Okay. So if you've been like, I don't know if this is working out for me, maybe I need to make a really different move. Like I said, risks are good, but they're risks associated, I think, with what you're already doing. Okay. So um, reinventing the wheel is, from your dad's perspective, not necessarily going to work out the way you want it to work out. So just be, you know, like, yes, you are in this two-year period where risks are great, but going too far afield, I don't know that that would work out. You don't have that kind of power yet. Okay. Um, and the advice of a woman is fantastic. So um, your partner is Aaron, correct? My, my, yeah, my producer, yeah. Yeah. My co-producer, yeah. Yeah. Um, she's terrific. Okay. You guys have really good energy together. Um, this is a um, kind of match made in heaven, so to speak. Okay. So a work marriage, that's great. So let's just stop there for we a second. We have to stop there and say, yeah. what a genius, clairvoyant. Yeah, yeah human what Clearly. i mean well she knew you let's be let's be but clear we about didn't this. we did it she only knows my name yeah that's right yes she knows your name because you hooked us up but that's yeah. it so she, that's it and i hadn't talked to her about anything else so she endorses you aaron that's and, right that's how i yeah, know that i can yeah. endorse her okay. now you can yeah um are you thinking about bringing in someone younger another male by any chance into which your um, business sorry your business um i don't know you know i have like when you say business it's like a, i have like a multiple things okay. yeah like there could my be job and my podcast yeah okay there could be a younger male that joins the team um and he is going to be a tiny bit of a disaster but if you stick with him <laughs> and kind of you know bring him along Great. huh okay do you, do you know what funny. i'm talking about 
No, I don't, but I just love the phrase tiny little bit of a disaster. <laughs> tiny bit of a disaster. But if you stick with him, okay. I really feel like he's earnest and he wants to learn. Um, are you a gardener by any chance? I mean, I just planted some holy basil, but I would not say I'm a gardener, but I, I have been thinking about this for weeks and I absolutely did it on, on Saturday on purpose. I bought a pot with soil and seeds. Good for you. Yes. Good for you. Yeah. Um, your dad is kind of making fun of you, the gardener. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> I can't buy holy basil anywhere, so I had to grow it myself. Well, good for you. Good for you. I think it's going to, um, is that the kind of basil that just goes crazy? By any chance? I don't know. It's the one they use in Thai food. I just oh. love it. Yeah. yeah. He's kind of showing me a bush. So I have a feeling it's going to love the pot you, that you gave it and all the attention that you're giving it. I mean, it is a bunch of mundane things, but then you just, you basically cut her off and you ask this question or you say, you make this statement. I guess I'm just keen to know, um, I have an inquiry if it's possible for my Dad, I don't have any, I just don't have any. Closure? Yeah, I don't know. He, okay, so here's the deal. Um, he was immediately present. So he bumped a couple of people out of the way um, to be here. Because like I said, deference is always paid to the elders. So when I was first meditating before I, I came on board with you, I could feel this older mother figure. Um, and I'm like, okay, she's got a lot to say. This is going to be interesting. And then the second you showed up, boop, your dad popped in. So he was waiting um, and he wanted first dibs. That is a coveted position. So he expended a lot of energy to do that um, and nudged your grandmother out of the way, which is, I got to say, it's kind of rude. <laughs> so he definitely, definitely wanted to um, come in and say, hello. Do you have a specific question for him? Is there something? that you feel you need from him? I mean, I was torn in a way because I just, I actually just wanted to know like what it's like where he is and also just. <laughs> Literally, it's a party. <laughs> I, I just, I guess if that was like, what happens? Does God matter? Like. You know, like that kind of thing, but it's like questions that you might like longer, larger questions you might ask your parents at some point. I don't know. Like, where is he? Literally, I, I know, have like, no fucking insight on, I have no insight from this. Okay. okay. So the other side mirrors the universe. It is uh, another plane of existence and it's the actual like true plane of existence. So when you're on the other side, you don't die. You are a form of consciousness and consciousness survives. Um, the other side is a mirror of this universe. So that gives you a clue of how big it is. It's, I, I, I've had tiny little glimpses and every tiny little glimpse is it just goes on literally forever. So it's massive. Over there, what you enjoyed here, you do there. So there are bars, there are parties, um, there are welcome home parties. Um, so when your dad crossed, I'm sure he got a welcome home party. I have seen um, spirits who have crossed like within a week who like will show me um, a dessert tray that's piled high <laughs> and it's, it's all their favorite treats. So here on this plane, we are ruled by chemistry and physics, right? You can't get away from things like gravity, physics, and 
you know, um, chemistry. Over there, it's ruled by thought. So if you think it, it exists, which is kind of cool. But you have to kind of also think like, okay, I want to move over there. Like there has to be a thought. So here we have muscle memory. It's just automatic. Over there, it needs to be a thought. And if you love the hamburger, you just think and you get a hamburger. Basically, it's retirement. Honestly, it's retirement. But spirits do have jobs over there. Um, sometimes their job, like it's not, there's no attorneys, there's no tax people over there, which is kind of cool, but, um, there are jobs that people have. So some of the jobs are, say you struggled with alcohol abuse here. You might attach yourself to a soul here who is struggling with alcohol abuse. And you may try and influence them into going to a meeting and to staying with the program. I just want to jump in here and say. It gives new meaning to the phrase higher power. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like if you're if you're struggling, you know, with trying to get sober or cope with with addiction, the idea that there's a former addict on the other side that's rooting for you is really comforting. I was surprised when she brought that up because mm -hmm. later when I come in, we'll ask her about addiction issues and stuff. And I don't know, it was just interesting. Had you yeah. heard that before? No, not outside of films. Like, um, <laughs> oh, true, true. which is fine. I mean, I, you know, I think that the idea that you think that there's something that's, I mean, but I, I talked to friends about this. My friend Ali is a, a musician and he and I were talking about how even if you're not religious, the idea that your art practice is this thing that is something that's kind of outside you, you have to discover it and you have to work around its rules. Just the idea that there's something bigger than you that you have to negotiate is a really healthy way of living. So yeah. in the context of addiction, in the context of an art practice, in the context sometimes of religion and God, I guess, if that's your thing, fine. So yeah, I guess that makes sense to me. But um, there's also dessert trays on the other side. There's, you know, it's, there's bars, but you can have a hamburger. That doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, who cares? I, I don't, it doesn't matter. But I was like, some of this stuff is just kind of a bit strange. I, it, I, I don't, I don't care though. Like, I don't, it doesn't yeah. make me question Victoria as a person. No, no good. Just... I don't, it just was like, oh, okay, great. You eat desserts but you don't have to worry about physics or whatever. Okay, great. <laughs> Keep going. Um, you could be working with a soul who wakes up after a horrific accident and is disoriented and doesn't know what's going on and they are terrified and they're upset. So there are like hospitals, okay, where people who have been traumatized can be taken care of. If you are an asshole in life, <laughs> Um, and you have a lot of stuff to own up to. Well, there are facilities for that as well. Do you mind? Sorry. Do you mind if I actually just interrupt? I'm sorry. This is yeah. making me really anxious um, because I think this is something we should talk about when we talk to with Aaron. But the reason I'm all really bringing this up is I just want to know, is there something that he wants me to know? Is there something he can tell me? Is there something that I can learn? There, is there something that he can impart to me? literally anything at all. So like I said, I don't hear them, right? Okay. Um, and Go so ahead. the important stuff for them is consciousness survives. That's the message, right? Like I'm not dirt. 
consciousness survives. That's always the most important message from them. And you know this because here's my proof. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. Like heart issue went right away. Stuff that he wants to bring up, stuff that he's, you know, look who I'm with, that kind of thing. So that's his way of proving consciousness has survived. That's always the message. As far when you said, is there something that he wants me to learn? He's like, oh, I'm going to help him. I'm going to teach him over the course of his lifetime. So your father's going to play a role in your life from the standpoint of influence, just like your grandmother is trying to play um, an influence in your life, encouraging you to get more education, encouraging you to push yourself. Okay. So it's just when they show up here, it's just their opportunity to say, this is going to be my influence in your life. So they don't go far. They really don't go far. They check in with us. My favorite analogy is like to say spirit um, likes to watch us like we like to, look, to watch friends, right? We check in every week and what's Monica going to do? Oh God, that Rachel, right? So that's what they right. do. They kind of check in with us. We're their favorite sitcom. Um, hopefully we're not the tragedy that they, or the drama or the action movie that they tune in on, but we're, we are um, characters in playing roles through the assignment of our lives here that they check in regularly on. So yeah, everybody's got a kind of like a life lesson, big life lesson that they need to learn. Usually that big life lesson is something that you encounter over and over again. So if you encounter um, bossy women, right? Over and over again. You're like, what the, what the heck is up with these bossy women? That's a lesson that you need to learn is how to manage aggression from women. It's a life lesson. Okay. Interesting choice of words. Bossy women. You're in a podcast with two bitches. Well, I will say you were the one who immediately <laughs> identified with that. And she was giving it to me as an example that may or may not even apply to me. So I think it's an interesting analysis adjacent moment when you identified yourself as a bossy woman. It's true. So it's that true. it's all about me. It's been very helpful for both of us at, yeah. at this point. Yeah. Your reading is about me. Well, it sort of has been a little bit. So <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Um, but your father's making me feel like his influence is going to kind of follow you for a while. Are you not a good driver? Am I not a good driver? Yeah, he's making fun of something about the car. I think that's actually a matter of opinion. I, <laughs> I consider myself a fairly adept driver. My boyfriend does not. Okay. I think that's more about him than it is about me. Okay. Anyway, no, I don't know. Yeah, he does make fun of the bad driver. So um, you can tell your boyfriend and you acknowledge him. Okay. <laughs> I don't think he's going to cause an accident or anything, but your father's like when he's driving. So, <laughs> so he's kind of making fun of him. So he's felt profoundly absent despite whatever this, whatever this message is. He's always felt profoundly absent from your in life. a way that spiritual, like in a spiritual sense, in any kind of sense. And I'm not sure how one experiences spirits or anything mm -hmm. but i've always felt like and maybe this is just an extension of him actually dying you know like it's just an absence thing but yeah it's always, he's always felt like notably absent as opposed to my friend claire who vanished as opposed to possibly my grandmother's like where i'm like oh i feel like i sense them i have a ring from my friend claire mm -hmm. my father nothing I've always always because I wouldn't say that his energy is soft. His energy is not soft. So, um, are you still in a, a, a state of grief over your father? Let me ask you that. I mean, I'd say yes, and I also would say 
no, I, it's, yeah, like when I was talking about it before, I immediately became like deeply emotional. Yeah. I did a podcast episode about him yeah. and I wept on it, you know. Yeah. It's not hard, but that doesn't stay with me all, all the time. time. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes grief can pull you down. So I was, um, you hear a lot of us kind talk about vibrations, right? And um, the plane of existence that your father is currently on, their vibrational energy is so fast that they have to try and slow it down to come to us. We need to kind of raise our vibration. We need to kind of like imagine ourselves getting high. You can get high, but you kind of, you know, you have to lift through meditation, right? Kind of lift your energy up high. In a state of grief, you're so low. You're literally low, right? That they have a hard time reaching you. If this isn't a constant state for you, then um, maybe it isn't that you're not feeling him. You're just not feeling him the way you think you should be feeling him. So his energy is pretty powerful to me. Like it's not soft. So I have a feeling that the more you're kind of communicating with him, like that, show me this, show me that, show me the other, really hopeful that you start to feel him when he's around. Okay. He'll give you a nudge, okay. like right before you spot the thing that you asked for to see, like literally within seconds of you spotting it, you'll feel him. Like you'll, he'll pop into your mind, like out of the blue. So okay. he's also making me feel like he might communicate with you sometimes through song. So I don't know if there was a specific type of music that he liked or a specific type of music that you like, but he's making me feel like he's, um, was he like an Elvis fan or anything by any chance? Um, I mean, I think so. Yeah. I think okay. he was an Elvis fan. Okay. That's yeah. like, all I, all I can hear is like Elvis on the guitar. That's all I can hear. So, um, that might be okay. a way that he's trying to communicate with you. What that doesn't mean is go play an Elvis record. Okay. That right. means just be aware of the songs on, you know, that are playing. And if you're like, oh, that's a, that's an Elvis song. That's your dad. So I think there are two things to mention here. One, there there was a New Year's Eve party that we had when I was very small and his friends, who I actually refer to in the May episode, brought over a cardboard cutout of Elvis. And I remember that being a thing. And there are all these photos of this like cardboard cutout of Elvis at that party with my father. And <laughs> this morning I went to a Barry's boot camp class and I was in the locker room and there was this song that samples hound dog in it. it wasn't elvis it was somebody else singing a song but they, they'd taken like they'd taken this excerpt of this song and it was woven into the song all the way through so you know but from- still because i recall that elvis comes up again in in the next half hour basically right like when the three of us talk she's like if you want to see elvis you can go see elvis that's right that's right yeah. Okay. If you want to go see Elvis, you can. She gives advice to you here, which we were talking about it a little bit afterwards. Like it's not unlike going to a therapist for the first time, yeah. especially where you're naturally skeptical and feeling lonely and feeling like, oh, you're just going to tell me that I'm angry at my mother and I don't even know it or I haven't, you know, fully grieved. And then suddenly you're crying in a corner or frankly, a, a kindly bartender or a nurse, yeah. you know, like you, you're going to spend the same hundred bucks anyway, either, either on, you know, drinks, a shrink or a, 
a psychic medium, but it's all about just sort of kind of validating your questions. It's it's about validating. That's why she's like, her thing is like, the main message is consciousness survives. So let's go get right to it. The very next thing you're going to hear after the commercial is, hold on, because I have to go let Busy in her own apartment. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth, remember when we started making this podcast? Boy, do I. It was two years ago. Can you believe that? Two years. I can because we were just so focused on getting it right and learning all these programs, right, to to try to make it perfect. Mm -hmm. If only we had heard about Anchor by Spotify. It's so easy. It makes everything better because it's all in one place. Everything you need. Everything you need all in one place. Let me ask you a question, Erin. What kind of tools does Anchor have? It allows you to record and edit the podcast right from your phone or computer. Your phone? That means you could edit a podcast from anywhere, from from the beach. From the beach, in a windstorm. In um, a windstorm. Anywhere, truly. And some people do. We use our computers. Tell me about the hosting capabilities. Oh my gosh. You can upload that thing to any of the platforms, including Apple. It sounds kind of like this is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Hell yeah, it is. And tell me something else. How much is it? It's absolutely free. What? If only we'd known that part a couple years ago. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor dot fm to get started okay and so in real life you just had a session a private session with (laughs) our very own matthew phil (laughs) matt how do you feel i feel really like you just finished a novel and i'm like the one who feels really spent not only (laughs) did you conduct the whole thing but you did that as well. Like that is kind of blowing my mind. It was very, it's interesting just talking about this, like literally we did this like seven to eight, 10 minutes ago. So I'm like, whoa, I thought it was actually very reasonable. I thought it was very practical and you're very decisive. You're very matter of fact. That's what it is. You're very matter of fact. Yeah, should be. And kind and reassuring. And I think, diplomatic I maybe not diplomatic okay you can say diplomatic I try not to ruffle feathers yeah I mean I didn't sense you were holding back any terrible news but um it was a very I just didn't know what to expect I talked to my therapist about it and I was like I don't want to feel like I am having a part of me taken advantage of emotionally not that I knew anything about you or assumed that and she said you know what right I did this once and I was very guarded and got nothing out of it. And I think it's important just to be open to the experience. So my therapist gave me that Mm -hmm. advice just in time. Great advice. Although I will say, I really do love a skeptic because guarding is one thing, right? Being kind of like trying to mute your energy. That's one thing. But skeptics are, especially male skeptics, will come to the table and they'll be like, I double dog dare you. So they're really open. And then, you know, within 10 minutes, you've got them crying. And it's like, yes, or, 
So um, it kind of depends on, on how they are guarded. Yeah. But Matt, you were lovely. You were fine. Everything was good. It's been an interesting thing to think about the prospect of having a conversation with my father just in general, like what kinds of things I would have wanted to ask him. And so in the lead up, I was like actually very angry at him. Like anger came up for me, but then in the session, I think I was like not angry at all. I think I just went, oh, there's something so matter of fact about everything you're saying. I just think I'd like to hear what you have to say and have that experience. I just like wasn't mad about it anymore, I think. Yeah, Matt, you'd shared before you went in that you, you'd you had a dream about your father recently. Yeah, I never have dreamt about my father except for like two weeks ago. And it mm-hmm. was a really interesting kind of thing where it was very clear. I saw him, I went up to him and talked to him. I tried to get a bunch of answers out of him. This is before I knew we were doing this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I saw him near a river. And then I, what's weirder about this was I had this dream, I just remember a few images, and then I went into the bathroom when I woke up and looked in the mirror and we had the same kind of hair and I looked at myself and literally for some reason said out loud, I am my own father now. And I felt this sense of relief and I was like, what Mm -hmm. the hell just happened here? And I did feel a sense of relief and calm. Like I'm like, oh, this feels like a moment of evolution or something. I don't know. It was really strange. And then we started talking about doing this episode and I'm like, what an interesting coincidence. Um, So do most people want to talk to, you were talking about the hierarchy of people who come to visit. They're not spouses, they're immediate family members. Can you talk about that? Well, initially, initially. So I always tell people, listen, the the first people through the gate, usually for me and a lot of mediums that I know, there's so much deference paid to elders over there, the family tree and the hierarchy, that usually it's going to be parent, grandparent, great-grandparent, whoever is over there and had status kind of thing. So often it's grandparents or often it's parents. Every once in a while it's for great-grandparents. And it becomes yeah. a little confusing when I've got someone who's like 18 or you know 20 and their great grandparent comes in and they're giving them facts like, you know, this is how you how I'm proving who I am. And the kids are like, I never met them. I have no idea. But like that's that's literally the only relative that's over there, right? Or their great great grandparents, because the grandparents are still alive. So um the hierarchy is um it's sort of a structured uh formality. So mm-hmm. usually it is the elders that come through first. And I always call them the gatekeepers because the family tree, again, is so important over there. Um, and then they will bring in, when I say bring in, they will kind of acknowledge, oh, and here comes your dad, or here comes your mom, or here comes your, your brother. So usually the first people to the gate are going to be parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, and then they will bring in spouses, siblings, sometimes friends, but they are the ones that kind of open, open the door, so to speak. Wow. That tracks with a lot of the shows that I've seen. You Mm -hmm. know, there's a million medium shows and psychic Mm -hmm. phenomena and life after death and near-death experience. And a lot of them, specifically, it's like grandparents will meet the person if it's a near-death experience story. Yeah. And they will be overcome with a feeling of of overwhelming love and light. Mm -hmm. 
somebody described it in the enormously popular surviving death show on Netflix last year um, as a warm, loving energy hug to the brain. Yeah. Yeah. What are you seeing or feeling? I've also heard that it's very popular for everybody to look in their early 30s when they're dead, even if they died as a child or mm -hmm. as a very old person. What's that about? Tell us what you're seeing. So we're talking about the hug, the mental hug that you get. So my yeah. favorites are when a beloved parent or grandparent comes through because they will give that to me. And Whoa. then I'm like, oh, your grandmother, give me a hug. Or I mean, you, she's passing it on to, but I get it. It's a wonderful profession from that standpoint is that I just feel loved. And of course, it's not for me. It's really for my client, but I'm yeah. the receptor, you know, of that energy. So uh, it's one of the reasons I really love work. As far as how they look, um, it's not like you're watching a movie of them. Mm -hmm. They show you what they want to show you. So sometimes it's about their appearance. That's important. Sometimes, and, and I've had spirits who went through a terrible, debilitating disease. It was a very long, agonizing death. And I connect with them on the other side, and they're, they're literally doing cartwheels, just to say, like, I feel so good. So it's whatever that they want to show you. They're really not vain. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes they don't spend a lot of time on their appearance, because why? Um, it's really more about, see, it's really me. I'm here. I'm watching over you. Love survives. Consciousness survives. That's the, as I was telling Matt, that's the most important message. Do they look youthful? Yes. Hmm. I wouldn't say that everyone looks like they're 30 unless they really want to choose that. Okay. Oftentimes they will choose to look or to reflect the era that was their favorite. So hmm. you'll get a lot of like grandmothers who look like June Cleaver. <laughs> right, um, right. Or you'll get, you know, some hippies. Um, so I always love seeing the 70s people because they always come forward with Paisley. Like it's just Paisley, Paisley everywhere, which is kind of cool, the psychedelic kind of Paisley thing. Um, but for the most part, they look healthy and useful and strong and energetic and just like content and happy. You know, the other side's a pretty freaking great place. Honestly, it's awesome. What was the first time that you felt, you know, that you could see dead people or feel dead people? I was four and I was in a, you know, it's a weird story, but I was in a, a women's locker room that was at a pool and my mother had sent us my sister and I into the locker room to change. And we were the only kids in this locker room. And it was a very intimidating experience and kind of a little bit traumatizing. You know, there's always all these make, naked women around, right? And you're yeah. four and you're like, I, I don't want to see that. So I remember just being very afraid and kind of shaking. And I smelled violets. And wow. this is a locker room. You smell like chlorine, right? Yeah. But I was smelling violets. And my grandmother came like into my mind. The thought of her came into my mind and a calmness came over me. So I'd been standing there shaking. I didn't want to change. And mm. this calmness came over me. And I just felt her really motherly energy coming in. And I was okay. I was just like, from that moment forward, I was okay. And she has shown up time and time again in my life spiritually. So I wouldn't say there's a point necessarily, Erin, where I was, oh, look, I'm a medium. It's sort of yeah. this gradual kind of awareness 
that happens to you. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. So mm-hmm. the old thing of, you know, I'm so gifted. No, you're not. It's a skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anybody can learn it. Really, literally anyone can learn it. It's not like you get tapped by a favorite godmother who's like, now you're special. You can see dead people. This is a skill. Some people develop it without understanding how they develop it because they might be going through a traumatic childhood. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is a means of survival. Connecting to spirit could be a means of, of literally of survival. Or developing a clear cognizance or a clear voice is a matter of survival, coping. So huh. it's sort of this thing that you slowly kind of become aware of that is a heightened sense that mm-hmm. other people aren't necessarily as aware of as you are. And then if you're brave enough and you want to start doing little readings for people, I started like palm reading, literally. I was a waitress okay. and I was like, oh, I know how to palm read. And so I would read customers' palms and they would, I'd blow them away. And, you know, it was just kind of a game, honestly, for me for a while. And then, um, gosh, in 2000, I got, I got pushed into doing it, <laughs> like for money. And so it's been 22 years of just learning and I'm still learning. I'm still trying to get better. So it's an evolution. You know, wake up psychic. Well, what do you think it is about the hierarchy of a family and the generations that so bonds us beyond this this life? Like, what if you don't get along with them in life? (laughs) Or you don't want to hang with them? In the afternoon. I don't think you have to, honestly. Okay. I think that families are very important over there and given such status. And the only thing I can kind of share is that when I really first started doing mediumship, I saw a lot of when I was peeking in at the other side, I would see an orchard of trees. Mm-hmm. And there were these ascended souls around trees. And I understood that these were family trees. These were literally family trees. And the family was coming down to tend to their family tree in the or- orchard. Um, and that could have been a metaphor, but it was just so vivid that I kind of feel on the other side, there is an orchard where the symbolism of the family tree. So they kind of gave me the metaphor that every life that we live here adds a ring to the tree. And the larger the tree gets, the more, I don't know, um, status, but it's not really status. It's more like pride or um celebration over that tree um and so adding rings adding people people in their lives to the tree is a big thing it's a huge thing so if you don't get along with your family here it could be because your life's purpose here is not to get along with your family (laughs) okay so on the other side grudges don't always hold old hurts and wounds usually are repaired although I have seen many times when I will be reading for a client who had divorced parents who hated each other. Mm. And the mother will come in and I will, you know, dud it up for the mother. She will leave and then the dad will come in, like from the opposite end of the room. So, you know, there are some people that still remain really, really close that were really close here. And there are other people that didn't get along here that reconcile or didn't get along here. And they're still, you know, like, let's agree to disagree kind of thing. But I don't think that there are any necessarily hard and fast rules about who you have to be with over there. Because ancestral trees, you can imagine how many people are associated with your ancestral tree, right? Yeah. But it is also my belief that we kind of come through in clusters. So there might be a group of 50 of us in a family. 
that will sort of cycle through. So I don't know how you feel about reincarnation, but I've just seen it over and over and over and over again over there that, you know, where's that um, child that died at three? Can you find my brother that died at three? I'm talking to a 60 year old. And I'm like, uh, that is actually your nephew because mm. <laughs> they come back through. So they'll come back through that usually through the family or something that mirrors their family, something along those lines. Can I ask, did you grow up in a religious household? No, I wouldn't say okay. at all. Yeah, no. I was just interested to know how that would have been affected, those beliefs. How does this experience inform your spirituality and the way that you see religion in the world? Mm. What is super interesting is that often I'm a, an identifier for someone who's crossed over is they'll hold up a cross or they'll hold up a star of David. And for me, that's always, they're devout. And what I find so funny is... I will say to a client, I'll say, was your grandmother devout? And they'll say, yes. Yeah, she was really devout. I'm like, yep, she still loves Jesus. And there's this feeling like they're fans of his over there. They're like groupies. For Jesus, even on the other side. I don't know side. how else to describe it. He's like a beetle over there. So they That's love him. Interesting. But it's not one religion. So all of the religions that have ever been are over there. And you can follow whatever you want. So if you identified with Christianity here, Jesus over there, he's like, I can't come party. It's cool. Um, if you are, you know, a Buddhist, Buddha's over there. You can go party with Buddha. So Whoa. they all coexist, just like they coexist here. But peacefully. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So this idea that one religion dominates, that there's only one answer, is so ridiculous. Like, why mm -hmm. would there only be one answer when we've got malepity, mm -hmm. you know? So... Your faith here translates over there. I don't know what happens to atheists, though. I think when they end up on the other side, I don't know, what, I don't, I don't know if they know what to do. <laughs> Are you an atheist? Am I religious? No, I'm not at all. Would you say you're an atheist? No, absolutely not. I'm an, no, no. What do you no, mean by that? Like, So can you talk about your own spirituality? Yeah. So I, I don't think I know everything at all. Right. I am just open to what they all want to show me. Because I have such a strong connection to the spirits on the other side, they're my teachers. So what they kind of say or show me goes. And they haven't said, oh, it's only Christians are allowed here, or it's only Buddhists are allowed here, or, you know, whatever. They have said, everyone's welcome. Everyone who dies crosses. Everyone. Over. So when I look at someone who is so devout here, you know, and so convinced that their religion yeah. is the only religion and the only way they're getting into heaven is to be from this religion, there's a little bit of sadness that I feel for them because it's such a limited view and it's so based in fear. And that mm -hmm. is so not what is on the other side. This is resonating so much with me because yeah. I just lost my 93-year-old grandmother mm -hmm. last year. But she was the most devout evangelical human I've ever met. And in the last days of her life, she was describing having vivid dreams about her family members, yeah. but not Jesus. And mm -hmm. even when my mom pointed out, oh, it sounds like you're, you're dreaming of heaven, mm -hmm. you know, Grammy would just be like, I guess. You know, like it wasn't like connecting, but she still did the thing where it was my family members, my husband, right. but my parents. Yeah. Um, I feel like 
so many people, millions of people have reported this experience, this consciousness and the right. same thing. Right. So, I mean, that's what's kind of interesting to us is specifically, you know, that parent connection. Right. Um, in that show, Surviving Death, in the very first episode, Matt, this man, um, Jose Hernandez, who he'd lost his father and then he'd had his near-death experience and crossed over and met his father, but had mm -hmm. a very complicated, angry relationship in life. But his father just embraced him and mm -hmm. they were able, and he knew consciously going in, I have a second chance to repair this, mm -hmm. even though it all happened so quickly. And then his dad was like, your work isn't done. You need to go back. Mm -hmm. What's that about? The whole, it's not your time yet. So much of this is about time. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think with, that we all have a, a mission here. So it's it's my understanding, and this is my also a little bit of my interpretation. It's my understanding that before we come here, we actually build a blueprint of what our life will be like. So um, that blueprint is extremely complicated. It has many little off ramps to go in different directions, but it sort of like keeps you on track. So I get a lot of you know, people who are like, am I on my path? And I'm like, never off of it. There's no opportunity to go off your path. You've already written this out. This is a script that you're basically following. And the script is about what you can learn. And the, the stuff that you refuse to learn, well, we're going to have to work on that on the other side. There's no get out of jail free card. So things that you struggled with here that you refuse to work through, yeah. you're going to either have another another go at them the next life, or you're going to have to work out work them out over there. So those are the two, three options open to you, basically. You can work them out now, work them out later over here, or you can work them out there. Um, but it's always my understanding that everything is just mapped out. It's all mapped out. And that your choices are the choices that you put in your blueprint. And that includes who you end up with, who you connect with, who are, who are your siblings, who are parents, all that stuff. So that's all built into that blueprint. That's my understanding. What about the dark side and evil? You write a lot about true crime. You have mm -hmm. a podcast, right, about yeah. true crime. Yes. I'm always wondering, do all lives matter? Yes. And even when they're terrible lives, as we know them. Yeah. So there's a, I wrote a, a fantasy middle grade series and um, I placed it in World War II. And so I was doing a lot of research. And one of the books was on Hitler. And I was reading about his life like before he became a brown shirt. Right? So in World War I, he was a scout and uh, <laughs> he was not well liked, as you know, shocker. And he had come back from a mission. He actually almost died from mustard gas. And he had come back from a mission at night and he was dog tired. He'd been up for like 36 hours and it was during a ceasefire. So he climbed into the trench and he was about to open some rations and he was sitting amongst a group of soldiers who were playing a round of cards or something, or they were a raucous group. And so he was about to open the ration and he heard in his mind, get up and move. And, you know, he kind of was like, oh. They, you know, continued to try and open up his rations, and the voice said, "Get up and move." And it just was so persistent that he was annoyed. So he's like, oh. 
And he gets up and he moves down about 10 yards and tries to sit down again, open up rations. Out there, move, move. So he gets up and he moves further down the trench, opens up his rations. A border comes over and kills all of the soldiers that were in the, in the trench with him, right? Really? So I read the story and I'm like, so you're telling me that this guy who was responsible for 10 million people dying at least and was yeah. so horrible on this world was saved in that moment? Like, what mm -hmm. the freak? Yeah. And the answer that it got kind of immediately was that he was always supposed to be a powerful figure. He chose to be evil. He could have chosen a, a pure and wonderful path, but he chose to be terrible, evil, horrible, and commit these heinous atrocities Why? on the world. Why do people choose that? Because there has to well, be... Well, that's, you know, that's part, of, that's part of the script, right? We always have yeah. a choice. The choice is always in front of us. You can do the right thing or you can do the wrong thing. Every single day, we have those choices. And we make those decisions sort of based on our moral compass. And so abandoned his at a young age. He just abandoned his moral Just like Ted Cruz, like a yeah, Josh like Morley, like a lot of these horrible people that just like sell out, Marco Rubio, that just yeah. sell out and then make terrible yeah. decisions in power. Dr. Oz. Yeah, Dr. Exactly. Oz, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it's really a shame because they, you know, you can see this Christo-fascist movement rising up where they're using religion as this fearful thing, this fearful force, yeah. whether obey it or we will inflict some sort of punishment. Right. And it's just, uh, it's heartbreaking. I guess the good news is that I have been told through some of these readings, I've been told that that is going to switch within a decade. So this all using religion, uh, especially Christianity, as something to beat people up with is going to be thrown out the window and it will go back to its roots of love and acceptance, which is good. Wow. So fingers crossed. <sighs> That is hopeful. Um, I mean, for those of us who are alive. Yeah, oh but I have to say that you know this um, Z generation, man, they're just gonna—they're saving us. Thank God for them. Yeah, Gen Z, they have a completely different way of looking at at everything. Gen Z. Yeah. Are you a parent? No. No, thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> us either. So that's interesting, right? Yeah, none of us have kids. That's good. What was your relationship like with your folks? Were they supportive in your... No, they were horrible human beings, honestly. And I don't say that facetiously. Um, they really weren't. Wow. They were just horrible human beings. My mother was a very violent narcissist. And my father was a raging alcoholic. And okay. um, he, had, he had positions of power in the automotive industry. So we lived an absolute lifestyle. And no one would question what went on in our house because right. there was affluence there. So um, it was a very, very, very difficult childhood. Very difficult. My sister and I had a really, really hard time. But we had each other, thank God. You really seem like somebody who has triumphed is not the word for it. That's a little too hierarchical, but truly like you have so much kindness and you're so... Maybe transcendence is the word. <laughs> Transcendent, yeah, yeah. I just try and take people as they are. Because yeah. I was judged from infancy. I was judged and right. found unlovable. And so I know how that feels. And if you can just meet people where they are and find them worthy of your time, attention, kindness, then you have lifted yourself up as much as you've lifted them. That does not mean that if you come at me and sucker punch me, that I'm going to take it. 
Yeah. There's definitely a moment when, oh, you want to cross that line with me? Okay, let's let's go. Did you have that moment with your dad at any point during his life? Yeah, several times. Yeah. My mother actually, when I was 16, my mother came into my room and motioned across the room. Um, <laughs> I think toward my bed or something. So I turned my head and she sucker punched me. And for like no reason, she was right. just very violent. And um, I took her arm and I pulled her into me. And I said, you ever touch me again, I will kill you in your sleep. <laughs> Never touch me again. Um, I can't say that it was a pleasant next two years, but <laughs> yeah. she never touched me again. Well, you changed the game and who knew, has, who knew how it was going to turn out. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think that was the first time I actually owned my power. And with my father, you know, he was just really kind of disconnected from us. And he was a kind man himself. Um, I'm sure he was probably on the spectrum. Um, and he really kind of affected my sister more than he affected me. Um, I just kind of was like, okay. You learned how to put up a boundary, would you say? Yeah, it just, I saw through them. Mm -hmm. um, I saw through both of them, I think, which is why my mother really had such a difficult time with me. Because mm -hmm. she could not hide who she was. And um, she was a very aesthetically beautiful woman. And so people um, would cater to her out mm -hmm. in the real world. And at home, I don't care what she looked like. I knew who she was. She was the ugliest person I've ever, I've ever met in my life. Wow. So I saw through her. And my father was kind of the same way. There was no hiding. And you know how alcoholics look to really trying to hide themselves. Yeah. So I had their number from an early age. So I think it was that was what was particularly difficult was that they understood that I knew who they were exactly. Um, they were their only people, and that's not how they wanted to be seen. Did either of them soften when as they died? No. Oh, sorry, I assume they're past. No. They passed, but I... uh, Jerry, my father passed. I think a year or so ago. I haven't talked to them since I was in my forties. Okay. Um, yeah. So twenty-five years ago, the last time, literally the last time I saw my father. I was in the post office and I opened the door and walked in. He was putting um, a letter in the post in the box and he turned, looked right at me and kept walking and he did not recognize me. Wow. Do you ever get visits from them? Oh God, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Do they ever communicate with you now? No, no. Ruthie is still alive, um, but I don't know. How much longer she has, I kind of have a feeling that she's 89, so we're kind of close. Your mom, yeah. Jerry passed like a year and a half, two years ago. I have a really good friend who is a psychic medium as well. We trade readings twice a year um, because we read mm. very similar to each other. And he has approached her and basically just, um, you know, sobbing, crying, I'm so sorry. And really? Yeah, okay, you said your piece, goodbye. You know, like. <laughs> so it's like all the defenses, all those defenses are down on the other side. It's like you're just reduced maybe to your your childlike. So there are tears, yeah, and I, regret. It's not actually like that. Oh, okay. You, your personality holds. How you are okay. here is how you are there. So he, there's no denying because there's no such thing as lying on the other side. You cannot lie. It's just oh. like forget it, right? So. He had to own what he did, and so he was owning it. But it was still him. It was still his personality. He was still, you know, he still thought he was 
you know, he was a difficult person, both alive and, and dead. And I did not like him at any point in my life. And I don't even like him dead. So wow. he said his piece. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. You know, just because you came through them mm-hmm. does not necessarily mean if they are not honorable people that you have to honor. Yeah, that's fair. You chose them. You always pick your parents. You always choose them? I just tried to look at it like I picked these two because um, talk about a fast path to learn lessons. <laughs> okay. Okay, baptism by fire. Here we go. So, uh, yeah, you just have to take what you chose and yeah. act accordingly. You know, it's so interesting when people are like, God's plan, God's plan, God's plan. And I'm like, wow, you're really giving ownership of your choices and what happens to you in life to a being, Yes, right? That, no. The Jesus take the wheel thing is <laughs> it crazy. It is not God's yeah. plan. It is your yeah. plan. You know, it's take yours. your own power. If you don't like what's happening to you, don't be like, oh, God what, must want me to suffer. No, that's not, that's not how it is. That's okay. a moment where you can rise. Where you can say, I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm actually going to change this trajectory. I'm going to go in a different direction. So, you know, a lot of what I do is just trying to empower people who are stuck and say, listen, you're at the choice point. You know, sometimes the choices are small, but you still have choices. So make them. Yeah. Who do you think will be on the other side for you? My grandmother. Yeah? My grandmother, my grandfather. On my mother's side, it's very close to both of them. Actually, my last name is my mother's surname because I just, I, I loved my grandfather. I absolutely loved him. I love him alive. I loved him deceased. Wonderful human being. He was a, just a larger than life character. He was a really amazing guy. He literally, he was from England. So Matt, um, he was from Plymouth. I'm Australian, but I appreciate <laughs> you're, under, you're hearing me as being that refined. The UK. Yeah. He um, stood away on a boat and ended up in Houston and then made his way to Oklahoma. Um, and, you know, he was asking one day, you know, where are the jobs? And someone said Chicago. And he was like, we're Chicago. And they go north. So he walked, literally walked from Oklahoma to Chicago. And then most of the rest of his life there. You know, he faced down Al Capone at one point. My grandfather used to raise German shepherds, guard German shepherds. And Capone walked into the barbershop where my grandfather was waiting to get a haircut. And uh, Capone said, are you Lori? And my grandfather was like, just kind of looked at him and he said, I want to buy one of your dogs. And my grandfather stood up, he folded his newspaper and gave a command to the dog that was right next to him. And the dog started growling at Capone. And then my grandfather gave another command and the dog stopped growling. And my grandfather said, I'll never sell a dog to you. You're a rotter. And he walked out. <laughs> What's a rotter? And I'm like, oh my God, you live to tell about it. It's kind of cool. As a rotten person kind of thing. Yeah, a yeah, rotter. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oof. Wow. Life so is crazy. He was, he was, you know, if I ever had a father figure, it was definitely my yeah. grandfather. It was definitely him. Just an amazing guy. That's cool. So you're not in any way afraid of death, right? No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I, kinda, yeah, I sensed that. There's like, oh gosh, is that a mole? <laughs> Do I treat it? Do I not treat it? <laughs> you know, kind of like, oh, I have cancer? Oh, okay. well. <laughs> um, you had a good run. Like, you published 38 books. I mean, you yeah. know. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to quicken my death. That's for sure. Because you know, you go when you need to go. Basically, is okay. my feeling. But the only thing I'm afraid of, as far as death is concerned, is like I wouldn't want to burn, be burned alive. <laughs> you know, yeah. I wouldn't particularly like to drown or be eaten. You know, I wouldn't right. like to be eaten. 
burned alive or drown. Same. Yeah. I it's like shark attack. Yeah. You know, fire definitely. Crocodile, hippo, you know. Yes. It certainly sounds like life is the painful part. It is. It Physically, is. obviously, yeah. but it just every time I hear somebody talk about the other side, you know, it ain't bad. Yeah. So that's interesting. It is it's also a place I was telling Matt, I said, you know, here we're we'll buy chemistry and physics. There's no getting away from those two things. This is what dominates the universe. The other side is ruled by thought. If you think it, it yeah. exists. So um, even trying to move on the other side involves thought. So like here we we just we just move, right? We don't even think about it. Whoop, over there, you walk. Legs move and you walk. Right. Over there you have to think about moving. So if you want to fly, you can fly. So the other side is is exactly what you make of it. If you your idea of heaven is um, Hawaii, but your spouse's idea of heaven is Paris, you can literally build a house that the front yard faces Hawaii and the backyard faces Paris. Like there's no sense huh. that time and space are governed by the same rules that we have here, which right. is a really cool aspect of it. There are a lot of get-togethers with people. So people are important. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody watching television over there. I don't know that I've ever seen a TV. Damn it. Or playing on a computer or doing anything with the internet. But I live for it. That's okay. why I'm probably still alive. But, you know, Aaron, there's so much more as far as entertainment is concerned over there. So it's what? really about connections, about those connections. And those connections can be familial or they can be friends. Okay. And, you know, you want to go see a Elvis Presley sing, you can go see Elvis Presley sing. You want to meet Marilyn Monroe, you can probably meet Marilyn Monroe. Like, there's just no limit. So okay. you can is- go and do a lot of a lot, a lot, a lot of the uh, souls that I connect with when I'm reading for a client want to talk about travel. So if my clients have a trip coming up, that is the very first thing that they will, they will hit on. And they always, like, I'm very, very good at being able to tell you where you're going on vacation. Really? So, and they help. So when there's a trip coming up, they always bring it up. It's one of the very first topics they bring up. They get really excited. And then they will show me a suitcase with like all these stickers on it. Like, I'm coming along which is awesome. So I know that exploration over there is very, very popular. They want us to take vacations. They want us to explore our world because it's a huge deal over there. There's so much to see over there. So seeing what we can here is important. If you can go to faraway places, go to faraway places. Your deceased relatives will be, you know, come along with you and they'll love it. Is this earth specific? No. As far as you know. You only know the earthly realm. No, it's not specific. What I've seen is not specific at all. At all. Okay. Yeah, you can go to other worlds. You can go to other universes. There is no limit, which is, it makes sense, mm. doesn't it? If yeah. The other side is a mirror of this universe. It just like makes the upside sense. down kind of thing, except maybe not, not horror. Yes, okay. exactly. What not as right. scary. Yeah. Not as much flying, eating bats, you know. My friend Paul Capsis, who we had on our podcast in our first season, he's famous for a number of things, but one of them is being able to mimic the voices of women like Judy Garland, like eerily well. And Judy Garland, Mm -hmm. Janis Joplin, it's fascinating. Marlena Dietrich. He went and did a show in Vienna. And he'd been doing this show where he was written for him, where he played. It was three divas 
each dying. One of them was Judy Garland losing her mind at the end of her life. And he was performing as her and he was talking about how in Vienna, he kept getting these nightmares where Judy Garland was like, Jesus, will you just leave me alone? Will you just leave me alone? <laughs> and if you watch him perform, you're like, I can see how you may just be channeling something because this is so precise. But he's just like, it yeah. was sort of incredible. Yeah. That's when I knew I had to finish the show. Yeah. 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 Is that what art is? Is our our need to channel? Are artists channeling? Are actors channeling? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because here's the thing. Your intuition is connected to your subconscious, which is where your imagination lives. Yeah. There wouldn't be any ability for them to communicate if they couldn't imprint on your mind, images, pictures. And that's all from your imagination. So it's, it's a form of sign language. Um, so I was telling Madam, like, it's a very complicated form of like Pictionary. Sometimes they will show me something and I will think, okay, that's got to be a metaphor. And I'll, yeah. you know, take a couple steps. Um, I was telling him the story about, I had a, a woman's grandmother came in. She was really specific. So I knew exactly who she was, what side of the family she was on and wonderful energy, just so loving. And then she shows me a cucumber and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to say that. I don't know what that is. I don't want to say that. <laughs> And she just kept showing me cucumbers. And then, um, and then she showed me cucumber sandwiches. And I'm like, baby, get off the cucumber. I don't want to say that, right? So finally I'm like, oh, God. So I go to my client. I'm like, what's the deal with cucumbers? She goes, oh, my God, I'm obsessed. <laughs> she goes, I just had like three for lunch. She goes, they're my favorite. I love them. So sometimes oh a cucumber is a cucumber, yeah. you know? And sometimes there's stuff that's a symbol. So reading for another client um, and her father came in. And um, he kept showing me a train engineer, showed me a train, and that he was in the train as the engineer. So I'm like, was he a conductor uh, on a train? Was he like a, an, a, like a train engineer? She's like, no, he was an engineer. So they're so clever. They are so clever. But what does that mean to the person? It's me. It's me. Only I would know that. Okay, gotcha. That's proof. Gotcha. It's proof. It's me. So the, the central message that they want to impart is consciousness survives. We're here. We love you. We're watching over you. And they love to poke fun. They absolutely love to poke fun. So anything that you're doing that you're like, oh gosh, I hope nobody saw that. They will absolutely out you, which I think is hilarious. Was there anything that stood out about my reading to you that I don't need to revisit it or, or continue it rather? I just mean, was there anything that stood out that you thought was... Um, of note or or common or or I don't know something that stood out. <laughs> Beta would love to say yes. This one, this one moment. It was common. You know, the only thing that really did stand out was your dad laughing at the gardening. Okay, that was yeah. that stood out to me because he was giggling about it. He thought it was funny, and uh, when you kind of chuckled and were like a little embarrassed to tell me what you were doing because you you know had to go read a pot and make it very specific and all of that stuff. I was like, okay, so this is adorable. Yeah, you know, it's this kind is of cute. just life stakes. It wasn't like the whole thing wasn't like this big existential. No, no. Because why? You know, why clutter? That gets into, um, it gets into, you know, or the religious thing, right? If they come through with like big, heavy kind of stuff, then you're talking about more of sort of a judgmental bent to the message. They don't want to clutter it. They don't want to clutter it. It's really simple. They love you. It's just that. And wow. consciousness survives. 
Well, my grandmother was telling me to work harder, but aside from that, like... Yeah. Oh, your grandmother's <laughs> all over you about that. Mm. Yeah. She would not let that go. She would just not let that go. She was like, you can do oh, better. No. You know, typical grandmother, yeah. right? Well, she's not wrong. Right? She's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. I know she's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. They are never wrong. <laughs> yeah. Just leave us with with one little exercise or or piece mm. of advice sure. about how to talk to our our dads or you know anyone who's passed on. The key, really, to communicating with the other side is to meditate. The reason meditation is so important is because in clearing your mind, you allow a canvas for them to imprint their thoughts on. So if you're trying to yeah. connect with your grandmother, your father, whomever. That's an exercise that really can help you. And you just really want to do some deep breathing exercises. And you want to sort of feel yourself kind of rise a little bit. If you can kind of, as you're breathing, feel yourself floating up, that's perfect. Because you do need to, quote unquote, raise your vibrations. If that's not your gig, if you're like, no, I want to do that, then you can do what I told Matt to do, which is pick something, anything that's kind of unusual. Pick something and just say, Dad, show me this. And the more you do that, the more he shows up, hopefully the stronger the connection will be between you and him on the other side. Hopefully that stronger connection will build. There's a, a great book by Mitch Album called Tuesdays with Maury. And there's oh, yeah. a wonderful line in there that is, um, death doesn't end a relationship. And it doesn't. So it just changes the format of the communication. So if you work on the communication and know that it's more symbols than it is necessarily words. And sometimes it's more symbols than it is necessarily feelings. If you work on building a communication specific with your father, you will know when he's around. This podcast was created and produced by Aaron Hosier, Elizabeth Thompson, and Matthew Felt. You can always listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, and anywhere you get your shows. Follow us at Tell Me About Your Father on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter that accompanies new episodes at tellmeaboutyourfather.com. And if you can, please head to Apple Podcasts to rate and review us. It's just a little thing you can do, and it makes such a difference for us to get the word out about our show. Thanks for listening. 